Hey, if you're seeing this or hearing this, it's because you're listening to Garage Monologues on the public feed and thank you so much for listening or watching, whichever it is that you're doing. If you didn't know you could do both, you can do both. This episode is brought to you by my patrons and we do have a sponsor in the middle. And if you would ever like to skip the sponsored segments entirely or skip this part at the beginning and just dive right into the episodes, they're posted on the members only feed about five months before. This episode was posted like all, just over five months ago over there. So you're running a little bit behind, but if you don't mind waiting, you can listen here for free. And I'm so glad that you're here. So please enjoy the episode and I will see you at the ad break. I don't, know, I don't know if that's going to be a trend if I do that literally every time, but I, because I'm trying to sync the audio for the video with the video, got to make a little clap. This is take three on this podcast episode. Take one, uh, I, as I left in a little bit at the beginning there, I ruined the audio entirely by um, not realizing that I had uh, music playing on my tablet, which was running through Bluetooth. And even though the volume was turned all the way down on the board, somehow it managed to get into the audio. And I'm not sure what happened there. Uh, but yeah, that full audio was ruined. And then take two was ruined by the puppy who, uh, is adorable and, you know, but he's very distracting and he just had a surgery. And so I'm kind of trying to be mindful of how he's behaving because I, you know, he's wearing a soft cone, which I'll put some visual up for those of you that are, watching this um but he so he shouldn't be able to lick his nethers and uh and damage the the bandaging and stitches but you never know i just want to be extra sure and he's adorable and he just elected to go into his kennel because he's a little bit tired frustrated with his tiredness but unable to really settle down outside of his kennel at the moment so we got that put in there but i was very distracted and going back and forth and you can imagine uh that's a little bit of actually kind of a behind the scenes of the extra challenges of filming with a puppy by yourself out and about and boy did i choose a challenge for myself to raise a puppy in the midst of also launching a new series and going out and filming and it's just the choices that we make but it's worth it he's great he's doing well he's very he's doing actually very well we went for a long walk He's happy, he's healthy, he's glorious. The original uh, recording of this episode, and when I was just stumbling through with the distractions and decided to start all over again, is that I am very, very grateful to be in a position to make these decisions, to have uh, gotten a puppy and to be filming this with you right now, to uh, be able to go out and film Paris in my pocket to share the city to, to to pursue something that I'm actually pretty passionate about in trying to help people actually see and appreciate Paris and I've talked about this a lot on the side of like I'm not necessarily personally into tourism like I don't want to be a tour guide but I do really love the city and I really want people to love it as well and I want to short uh, shortcut people to having a good time because I know how much of a struggle it can be to come to Paris for the first time or even maybe for the 10th time if you're a big fan of the city. There's so much to open up and so much to see. And Paris, I've been thinking about it a lot, but Paris is ultimately a kaleidoscope of experience. Everybody from every different perspective that lives here, that travels through, has their own experience with the city and has the things they love about it and the things that they wish they could do again and the things that they wish that they would have known when they came into it. 
And so I don't see it as me. I don't have the way to do Paris and I don't have the, you know, the best approach or the right one for everyone. But my hope is to find a good um, pathway where people can find the things they really could know or should know early on that would help them to have a better time so that they can have their own really, really great experience with Paris that that looks and feels like they want it to, that they have the best time possible because Paris really can be anything you want it to be if you know where you're going and you know what you're doing from a baseline. And there's no way that I can know. I don't know everything about Paris. I There's too much to see and do and eat. I'll never see it all, but I can put the experience that I've got into some videos and some guides and whatnot to help people enjoy the city so that fewer people in the future ever look at Paris and say, gosh, I hate that city. Like the people were rude or the metro didn't work or whatever. Hopefully I can help people to really enjoy it and appreciate it for what it is and find their Paris, the version of Paris that they want to engage with the most. And I'm very grateful that I get to do that. And it's because of you that I get to do it. If you're a patron in particular, if you're watching this, now uh, and we're listening to it when it comes out then it's because of you that I even get to do this at all and I was thinking about that when I was sitting at the Barbilon which is a a little tap house that you uh, will see spoiler alert it's going to be part of the day in Montmartre video just a little bit out of the way it's a it's a hidden spot it's one that a lot of people probably won't end up making the effort to go to but it's a cool little place that I do like I've done um, some events there before and They've got some good beer and it's just comfortable and it's not that far away from the main, you know, stretches of uh, where you might want to be in Montmartre. But I was sitting there and I was looking at the beer and I took a photo and I sent it to my family just because I was like, man, I have the coolest job ever. And it's not every day that I feel like that, um, even though I may be aware of it. (laughs) It's not every day I feel that way because, I mean, things like trying to carry the puppy around and all my filming equipment and whatever else, you can, I can get really caught up in the moment and but not, you know, in like the logistical stressful, like how do I get this shot? How do I make the most of this meal without annoying the staff and ruining it for my friends and make sure I get all the shots I need, uh, you know, in the midst of all this while trying to keep the puppy from eating chocolate on the floor or just like running into traffic. You know, there's a lot going on at any given moment. It would be nice to have uh, hired help on the ground, I think sometimes, but I don't want to get totally locked into those moments of those mentalities, I, I really I really want to take the time to take a step back and see the whole, the fact that I've been able to spend years really exploring the city and not just in my free time, but that it's become a part of my job. It has been my job in so many ways and that you've enabled that. And I'm so grateful for that. And I'm so grateful that you're here. If it wasn't for my patrons, I wouldn't have had the extra time really to, to dive deeper into the city and to... <laughs> go anywhere in the city like oh yeah i've been here before like oh i think i made a video here like oh i filmed that building once i can't i can't remember where but or when but I, I remember i was here once before and how fortunate i am to be able to find things that i love to try a bunch of stuff and not like a lot of it and then find some stuff that i really like to package that up and to share that with you hopefully so you can jump the queue as far as figuring out what you might like in paris as well but also just in a way of getting to be an ambassador for the city in a small and unofficial capacity. I just feel so lucky and and really, really fortunate for that. And so I I really felt that this last week. And I also had some real downs this week. And when I recorded the first version of this 
podcast episode, I was feeling really, really crappy. Um, and I mean, objectively or compared to how I felt before, uh, in other down times, it's not that bad. I'm actually doing really well overall, but I've had some ups and downs lately. And I've felt, even though I don't feel particularly lonely, I felt kind of alone in the whole process of having the dog, especially, um, and taking care of him. I have these moments where I, I mean, I just have, I'm, I'm hundred percent responsible for him all the time, which is fine. But it also then highlights just how like alone you are. You don't, I don't have anybody that can be like, Hey, can you watch him for a second? I'll go to the grocery store. Like I don't have any breakfast food right now because I haven't gone to the grocery store in a while because just between everything, it's, it's, it's a challenge to get there. And if I had somebody sitting next to me, I'd be like, Hey, you watch him. I'll go to the store. Those kinds of things to share the burden. And so I feel, sometimes I really feel that and it causes you to reflect on your life and wonder, or it causes me to reflect on my life at least and wonder, how did I get here? What are the choices that I made that got me here? What are the family dynamics and the, you know, I was raised in a, the kind of in the wrong part of the world in so many ways. I didn't, I never really felt like I belonged, but how much of that was also because of other extraneous, extenuating factors, you know, other outside factors that are all the reasons that you go to therapy for and all the stuff that you think through and try to figure out. And, um, and I am trying to figure all this stuff out, but sometimes it can feel pretty heavy, especially when you're feeling alone and then it compounds on that a little bit. And I think I was feeling a little bit, a little bit overwhelmed, but also kind of strangely detached. It's pretty hard to put it all to words because I've had a lot of just interesting and I think like, foundation shaking foundation reforming experiences in the last few months especially ever since burning out last year so hard and deciding to take a break a much needed break from making videos and all the transformations that have happened since then I've been going through a lot and all of that really only makes me that much more grateful that I'm in a place where I can go through all this stuff because I think I've run from a lot of the hard questions and a lot of the, I'm a, I'm a, I'm somebody who reflects a lot, obviously. I mean, garage monologues, the idea of this whole thing is capturing me reflecting in the garage on camera as much as anything. And I do, I think a lot and I reflect a lot and I spend a lot of time just analyzing myself and my choices and how I got to where I am and how I might change moving forward and I've also had to work on not overthinking, obviously, and just acting in some ways. But it's left me feeling really grateful that I, I am there, that I can reflect and spend the time on it and spend the time to get healthier. And I do feel generally happier and healthier than I ever have in my life. I really felt that way uh, before I got Cooper. I'm feeling that way again with Cooper. And now I think the challenge is that he tends to be the focal point because he's always with me and I have, I'm very responsible for him doubly. So now that not only is he a silly little puppy, who's happy to uh, grab onto something that might not be great for him, but he's doing it with stitches right now. It just, it kind of adds that pressure where you just never get a break and you can never get away from it. And that's the way it is with a puppy. Uh, that's just always going to be the way it is, but it just kind of ratchets things up to 11 a little bit. It adds an, an additional pressure and, Right now, I feel fine with that. I've had some moments where I haven't, but it just puts everything into into relief or into into contrast. And 
or it throws a relief. You know what I mean? To really highlight just how real everything is for better or for worse in life. And I have two options. One, I can avoid that and ignore it, or I can engage with it. And I've been engaging with it a lot. And that adds to some weight. But the good thing is that it also means that I've been really thinking a lot about how lucky I am to have what I have and how, I mean, if you've been watching my vlog for a long time, you know that like this room that I'm sitting in used to be completely empty. It just had some old like 60 year old furniture in it that was falling apart. And, you know, I, I came here, I had no money. I was in such a bad situation that I ended up going bankrupt from, you know, projects that I had poured everything into and they'd failed miserably and I overextended myself significantly. And then you come six months ago again to uh, the situation with the French government coming after me and trying to take everything. And if you haven't heard that whole story and you've got a stomach for some French bureaucracy trying to ruin your life, you can go hear about how the French government tried to get 31,000 euros out of me uh, six months ago and how we had to navigate that and how I might have fired my accountant recently as a result uh, and gotten a new one. Um, thankfully, uh, a good friend of mine here who also happens to do uh, YouTube, among other things, connected me with his accountant who he's had for a long time, and it, it's working out okay. Um, but um, that pressure, I mean, if you've ever been in a situation where you're under significant financial strain, like financial duress, honestly, like it was really, 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 really stressful and really bad, then it is the worst for starters, but it also, it was a reminder that I never want to go back to it and how grateful I am that I haven't been there. And that's something that I talked about a lot in the first one that in the first episode, my first attempt of recording this, I think that also was one of those things that really, really highlighted for me how lucky I am. It's funny, again, the, the fact that I had the French government just like looming over me and threatening to take everything away from me uh, was exactly the thing that really solidified how fortunate I am to have something to be taken from me. And I mean, obviously it wasn't great and I wasn't happy with that situation. And I had to really, really fight to get through that for a few months. And it made for a really stressful six months where I wasn't sure if things were going to be okay. I went into full austerity mode. I canceled every subscription that I had and that I could afford to cancel or that wasn't for work basically. And just doubled down on staying home. It's good for the diet for sure. Um, but just really, really had to go into like full lockdown uh, financially and try to make it through to the other side. And now that I've made it through to the other side, I've, I'm, I'm feeling a huge relief from that. Um, the French government has relented in some ways. They're actually giving me a tax refund this year because they've overtaxed me severely. They're actually giving me something like 80%, 80 or 90% back from what they took, which is crazy. When you think about it, that they that they overtaxed me that that hard, and we can talk about French taxes another time. I think generally the system here, once it sorts itself out, is is fair. Um, what we get for what we pay is pretty good. It's just their accounting systems are terrible, and the way that they they get that set up and settled is you know not great. But man, did it make me so grateful, especially recently now that I've felt the relief of not having that hanging over me, and I'm feeling the recovery of you know, getting into rhythm with the dog and having him in my life and getting through all the hard and stressful things. Like every day is better than the, the one before it and all the hardest times are behind us. And now that we've gotten his surgery out of the way, 
you know, last night was pretty rough just because he was dealing with uh, the after effects of the general anesthesia. But he's already, you know, doing, he's back to pretty much his normal self. And he's such a happy little dog. And he's such a great guy. He's such a good dog. I love him. He's so good. And um, so I just wanted to take a moment originally. And I did it when I was feeling down because usually when I'm feeling down is a really good time to dive into why I'm grateful because it lifts my spirits so significantly. And I didn't want to let that go because the audio got ruined. I wanted to revisit it. And I realized this has been pretty scattered so far. But I think it's really important to take stock of what we're grateful for and why. And even to look at all the hard things, the things that felt threatening or could have ruined us. And to lean into the gratitude that we even have the capacity to be ruined. I'm really grateful for that. For those of you watching the video, the sun is rising. I would have been done by now if my take two hadn't been ruined. So we're going to get some really rough lighting here. Let me let me close the curtain. I've at least diffused the light. That's right. It's the ad break time. We're going to take just a second to thank NordVPN, the sponsor of today's episode, who actually came in very handy for me in a way that I didn't expect. I didn't see this coming. They actually helped me to apply for my student loan forgiveness, believe it or not. I don't know if you know that student loan forgiveness is a thing now, but it is a thing. And if you're doing it from abroad, like I was doing it from abroad, the US government isn't gonna let you apply for student loan forgiveness from a foreign IP address. And so my VPN came in, saved the day, and literally saved me 10,000 US dollars that I would not have been able to do without my NordVPN. So thanks to NordVPN for making it possible for me to have my student loans forgiven. Never thought that that was going to be an ad read, did you? But it is. It turns out it is legitimately an ad read. And I think I'm going to harp on that one for a while because that one's still kind of blowing my mind. Speaking of blowing my mind, what about the savings? If you're going to get NordVPN, go to nordvpn.com slash jswansonvpn, jswansonvpn. That way they know for sure that I sent you. And you can get four months off of a two-year membership, including if you bundle it with their pass and their locker, or just the pass, or just NordVPN on its own. That's four months for free over two years, NordVPN. And then you never know, maybe they'll end up saving you $10,000 on your student loans. Work for me. Anyways, back to the episode. NordVPN slash Jay Swanson VPN. Back to the episode. The other thing I was thinking about was like, how, because I do want to do so many things. I think I've been, one of the reasons I've been feeling overwhelmed is what I really want to accomplish in life. You may know, you've seen the books. Um, I've, I've written, I think I've written 10 or 11 books. I published, I've published nine. Eight of them were in my science fiction and fantasy genre that like the, the crossover genre that I was writing in the same world. And I would love to get to a place where I can turn those stories into visual, whether that's TV or movie or animated or whatever, like I've always wanted to uh, tell these stories and I love writing fiction, or I always did. And I've been struggling a little bit with that for a number of reasons. One is because I'm focusing so heavily on Paris in my pocket, which I'm really enjoying. And I think it's important to just drop all my side projects, everything else, and focus on one thing for a while. I will be vlogging. I'll be figuring that out as we go. The first vlog is going to kind of explain how like my, my intention with vlogging for season nine is to kind of take my time and to do it both experimentally, but also on less of a time crunch. Because for the most part, when I've done my vlogging, it's always been on a pretty strict schedule and that's fine. But 
I feel like Paris in My Pocket is the one that deserves more of the strict schedule um, because it makes just the most sense to really get as much of that out into the world as I can while I'm excited about it and while it's beneficial to all the people that are coming back to Paris. But on the vlogging side, it's also I want to take my time because I've been I'm kind of bored with myself in a lot of ways. And I you can only talk about yourself so much and share your own life so much. But I also well, I don't know if that's true. I think you can do that forever. But at the same time, like I want to make sure that I give it time and space to be something that I'm really enjoying and and, and proud of and putting my my effort into appropriately. And, and I think removing the constraint of a publishing schedule for that makes that the most possible. I will continue to put these podcasts out regularly so you get some good connection there. And I will make sure to keep putting up press in my pocket at least three times a month. Um, and then the vlogging will come out, but I, I feel like that, that gives me the space. If I'm consistent with the podcast and with Paris in my pocket, then I can take a little bit more time with the vlog. And hopefully that's the case. You can let me know what you think about that. But I think that that's, that's a good uh, pacing for that. But in focusing, like it means it's the first time in my life that I haven't written. Last year I was writing less, but I, I've, for not, maybe not the first time in my life, but first time in over a decade. Because you know, starting in 2010... I started writing and I made the goal of writing a book every year. I started writing seriously, I guess. And my first two books were terrible. Um, and then they, they progressively got better for sure. But I figured if I could write and, and put out a book every year for 10 years, by the end of that, I would be a pretty good writer. And I chose to self-publish because when I started, it was when uh, Kindle Direct Publishing launched and it was all the rage and it was super cool. And I love, as I said earlier, like being my own boss and I was also scared of rejection and I was scared that agents wouldn't want to work with me and publishers wouldn't want to work with me. And um, which is probably right to be scared because I had a long ways to go. But I wrote a lot. I wrote a book every year for 10 years and I published a book every year for nine years and then I uh, stopped. And that was that's partially because of the focus, but it's also because like I've recognized that I need to make a lot of money if I'm going to make those movies and everything happen. Because again, like there's a chance that I could go the traditional route and try to get, you know, write a screenplay, get that produced. Like there's there are ways potentially to get the stories made, but the process is pretty brutal. And even if you get like you write a book and that gets optioned, often it gets sat on by a studio. So, like I know I have a lot of friends who have books that they've optioned, they've sold the rights to uh, a film studio to make it into a movie and it just sits there for years and they get a little bit of a re-up every year they get another little check and the the story just gets stuck and then you can't resell it you can't give it to somebody else who comes along and is like hey we'll actually make that it's too late it's gone and that happens so so often uh, the majority of them don't get made and then you also don't have much influence as the writer as to how it gets produced very powerless so it's nice to get a paycheck but then you don't actually get to be as involved as I would like to be at least. And so for me, I've always wanted to make my own film studio and my own publishing house, production studio, all that stuff, which is what uh, our old podcast, the one that Richard and I did back in 2019, Building the Oracle, that one was about how we were going to try and build that. It was ambitious and definitely a little bit too early in the game to be doing that podcast and maybe we'll get back to it at some point. Oh, I hope we do. I think we will. But my hope has always been to do that. So then I've realized, okay, if I'm going to do this, I, I need to have enough in the bank to do a lot of the pre-production independently. And I have a whole plan for how I want to do the pre-production between 
the music design and uh, concept art, storyboarding, and a lot of writing and a lot of time spent really developing all of that. But it's going to require a significant budget. And I do not have money. I don't come from money. My family doesn't have money. They can't help me, unfortunately. They do help me emotionally. At least my, my dad and my sister especially are always very supportive. And um, and they're they're there for me but like the thing is that i jess you know jess from my videos she often says that i'm the only person she knows here that doesn't have like a backup that there's no net waiting to catch us you know like we don't have family that's going to help us buy uh buy our parisian apartments we don't have you know any strong connections in those ways or or the support if things go wrong if they fall apart i just happen to be very uh tolerant of risk clearly and so i'm happy to keep throwing myself out there and now i'm trying to figure out okay well what's the path forward like if i need to have a few million in the bank to be able to afford artists and some space and um, a team to work with to develop some of the stuff that i want to work on to produce that how do i get there and so a lot of that is like, okay, well, let's figure this out. Is it possible? Maybe, you know, is, is, is YouTube a path towards that? I think it's, a, it's definitely a stepping stone at least. Okay, so how do we build this and move forward to get there? And a big part of that is, okay, well, let's focus on YouTube for now. Um, build up more of an audience, build up more of a support base there and see where it takes us. But in doing that, it means that I'm not writing and... I'm in a place where I'm wondering, like, what do I really want from life? Where do I want to go? What is it going to look like? I've worked so hard to get to where I am now, and I can see how much farther I have to go, a long ways to go. Like, I only feel like I'm just getting started. And I am over 10 years into writing books and over six years into seriously approaching, like, working really hard on YouTube. Um, you know, I've had a YouTube channel for much longer than that, but I started daily vlogging in June of 2016, and that's when I was like, I'm going to do this seriously. And I, I only now just feel like I'm getting started. Do I have it in me? Am I going to be able to do this? Am I going to be able to carry on and move forward? And the answer is yes, when I'm sitting here for sure. But I have moments where I'm not so sure. And the cool thing is, I think also when the, like in, well, cool and challenging. I'm so grateful again to be in this position. And it is because, really because of my patrons. Like if it wasn't for Patreon and it wasn't for you, uh, my patrons supporting me, I wouldn't be here because I'm too small on YouTube. Sponsors are only just now taking interest in me and I'm only just now going to start working with sponsors because it's only just now actually worth it to me because in the past, the few that talked to me, it was just like, this isn't worth it. Like I'd rather give my audience an unadulterated experience than take like 50 bucks and and spend my video on something that I'm not actually interested in. I'm so grateful to be where I am. The, but the challenging part is that it does make you also scared to lose it. Like it makes me scared in a way that I've never been before to take some chances and to take some risks. Like actually doing sponsored uh, segments is kind of nerve wracking for me a little bit because I'm worried that it will drive people away. And when I talk to people, my friends and, you know, other uh, subscribers and when I've brought it up with patrons and so forth, you know, everybody's very supportive. They're like, no, no, like everybody's used to YouTubers being sponsored. It's not going to ruin anything. It's not going to affect anybody. And when I reason through it, I know that's the case, but I'm still, you know, I want to respect the, what we've built and how we've gotten here, but things do have to evolve and they have to change. And I can't be scared of changing. I want to just sit in the gratitude of where I'm at. 
And one of the things that I was going to talk about in the first one, I forgot and I keep forgetting, is that Patreon actually asked me to be an ambassador. Uh, and this is one of the things that I've actually been struggling with because with they're not... Uh, the way that it's set up, Patreon struggles, I feel like, and this is a thing with artists in general and why I'm talking about money to some degree here today is because I feel like it's... I probably should have said this at the beginning to some degree, but I also kept forgetting that I was going to talk about patreon.com itself uh the company itself within the patreon community and the people that i talk to regularly who are thinking about starting patreon and the people that are thinking about trying to make a living out of art is they think that somehow they can create art and not need money or they money makes everything dirty to a lot of artists like they look at it and like this somehow sullies the art which i understand because i used to feel that way but it's kind of silly because the only way to make art is to have money for hundreds, if not thousands of years. The only people that actually made art, whether that was in writing or painting inventions, whatever they were patronized or they came from money. Like all of the famous authors and painters and so forth had support in some way or another, or they died penniless and unknown. Uh, you know, and even those ones often uh, still had some support, if not a fair amount of it, you have to have support from somewhere because until the art, pays for itself it doesn't pay for itself and you need help that's why i'm so grateful for my patrons because my patrons have paid for the art before it paid for itself in the traditional sense and it still doesn't pay for itself in the traditional sense and hopefully it will soon but if it wasn't for my patrons it would be impossible and that's a struggle that everybody that i talk to that's thinking about getting on patreon or doing a kickstarter or something to, to try and get what their vision is to life they struggle because they don't want the money to sully things they're they're scared of that and i understand that but it doesn't it, it doesn't have to at least in my experience it doesn't at all and because my dreams are huge and the art that i want to create is massive i need a lot of money down the line to make that possible the app that i want to develop to help people discover paris better and have fun doing it will be expensive to make i've already invested a lot of my own money into that uh, and it's on hold now because I need to focus on YouTube and I need to get into a more financially stable position. But that's exactly the issue. We have these dreams that get stuck and stop because we don't have the money. And if we overextend ourselves, as I have multiple times before, we put ourselves at great risk. And then that art, that tool, that invention can never come to life. It can never be brought completely to fruition. So it's kind of that thing where it's like, well, do you want believe in it? Do you believe in this vision, this thing you want to create? then get the money that's necessary and go do it. Hard, easier said than done. It's very hard to do. And Patreon sent me this, this gift. And the reason that I'm struggling with it right now in full transparency is because they they don't really talk for a company. That's whole thing is helping creators get paid. They're not really talking about money much. And they've offered to pay us for like speaking gigs, but then the whole ambassadorship's not paid and at first I was like, well, this might be a cool opportunity. Let's see where it goes. But I've been struggling a lot more with the idea that they're they're not going to pay us kind of to advertise the platform. And I brought it up in some comments, but I never heard back. Um, and so I'm going to, I'll pursue that and dig in more. But the thing is that I would like to encourage anybody that's watching this, because I've had some conversations with some, uh, um, some other creators recently who are thinking about doing Patreon or whatever else. I would encourage you to definitely do it, to value your work and to jump in because there are a lot of people out there that value your work as well, as is proved by my patrons. My patrons are the best, obviously. They're the, they're, they are the best patrons in the world because they value what I'm doing and because they make me feel valued and they make it possible for me to do 
all of this stuff. And so the Patreon gift is a box. I think I've actually, this has been spoiled for me already. And I'm going to run out of the, uh, the cameras. The camera's about to run out, so I'm going to have to start it over again here. But Patreon box. And this is, I realize this is a very visual experience. So I've got a wood box in my hands that's, that fits well within one hand. It's pretty long. And inside, I've slid the top open, and inside is a little burlap bag, and I think these are seeds with little broken signs. Unfortunately, the little signs are broken. So I can plant a variety of seeds, and I think there's a metaphor in here somewhere about planting seeds for the future, but everything's in Spanish or French. So we'll have to come back to this here soon. Anyways, I wanted to open this and, and share this with you. I can post something about it online more broadly available here soon. I don't know where I'm going to plant seeds, though. This is a problem. I, I, live, I live in the city. Maybe when I come back from the States, I can take that risk and try to keep them watered. But uh, I don't have a garden. The reason that I'm struggling with it, again, is because it's taken me a long time to get to a place where I felt really comfortable and confident in that whole, like, okay, I value what I do, and I'm not expecting anybody to pay for what I do. The, that's the way the internet works. I put it out there for free. People find it. And then if people want to support it, they can. And then down the line, the exchanges for all those people that aren't paying for it. Eventually, yeah, I will do, I'll work with sponsors and do interesting stuff. It's, it's marketing at that point, And that's, that's fine. That's just, that's kind of the way that this whole deal works. But I, I would like to try to do something. I don't know how to do this, but I'd like to perpetuate more of that sense of the value of what we do as creators and what we're offering to the world so as to help more creators feel okay with asking for support and not necessarily expecting support, but understanding that in time their work can and will be supported as they go. And I'm very, very fortunate that mine has been that I've been able to be full time for the last like four or five years, however long it's been now. And I have you to thank for that my patrons watching this and listening to this. And to those of you that are watching and listening to this later who aren't patrons of mine, you're also still part of it. Like if you watch and you enjoy and you stay, you stay with it and uh, just because you can't afford to be a patron or it's not really your bag doesn't mean that you're not supporting me by being here and being a part of the whole journey. Um, and I'm very much appreciative that you are here and I feel very fortunate. But it is important, I think, also to highlight and to be grateful for my patrons specifically because they literally pay my bills. And those bills don't get paid with YouTube views. My AdSense would never pay my bills. And I'm so grateful that those bills are paid. And uh, even if I'm not making crazy money, uh, I don't need to. Like, I'm really grateful for the lifestyle that I do have. And I'm very fortunate to live a, a pretty simple life. And that actually raises another question of, like, I've gotten to this place where I've got a, a good life that's pretty simple. And I'm not making tons of money. And I'm not, not rolling in it. I'm not going to be able to buy an apartment anytime soon. That's for sure. But I'm really happy with it. That's actually also called into question. Like, do I really need to do more? Do I need to grow? Do I need to, you know, make this a bigger thing? And I, I land on a yes, because ultimately, like, the reason that I, I would like to put a lot of money in the bank is so I can invest that money in really cool stories down the line, making some movies and TV shows and all kinds of cool stuff that I want to make. So... I need, I need a lot of money for that. So that's the motivator to make money. 
personally, I'm not very money motivated and I, I would actually enjoy just kind of trucking along with a little bit of the lifestyle that I have right now. Maybe a little more mobile, take some road trips. I would like to have a car. Um, but I'm pretty happy with the way things are and I'm really grateful for that. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm just really lucky. I'm, I'm really grateful to be where I'm at. So that's what I wanted to share. I feel obviously a little bit conflicted about this whole Patreon uh, ambassadorship. I need to talk with them some more. I'm on the fence about it um, because I feel like it's a little bit of a mixed message in the way that it's uh, that we're proceeding. But grateful for the opportunity and definitely grateful that Patreon exists and that as a platform and as a tool, it has enabled me to connect with you, uh, my delightful and, and beautiful patrons, um, in the way that it has over the last five or six years because without you and without Patreon, I would be, uh, I don't know what I'd be. I don't know where I'd, where, I don't know, I, where, I don't know what this would even look like. I certainly would not have been able to make all the videos that I've been able to make. I, I have no idea. Probably would, I might've died. <laughs> I might've burned out so hard that I, I might've died. But thank you for being here. Thank you for being so supportive and lovely. And, uh, I'm just very, very grateful. I'm sure that I missed something important that I shared in the first one, and this one maybe was a little more rambly, definitely a little bit longer than the last ones, but I wanted to take the time just to, to be thankful and to kind of share where I'm at, where I'm going um, in, in a little different style of detail than before, and also start um, being a little bit more open. I don't want to go nuts talking about, I don't want to be, I don't think, I don't plan on at least being one of those YouTubers who makes an entire video about how much money I made on YouTube this year. Um, but I do think it's important to contribute to that conversation because I think the more that other creators know and understand about how the dynamics of the business and the industry work, the more likely we are to do well collectively. And so I don't also want to be secretive about it. I think I've been a little bit sensitive to it in the past because as I went from like survival mode to like actually making a living at this and not being desperate for money. There was also this weird influx of comments and people who were really not necessarily mean, but gave me a hard time for making money and, um, you know, equated things like Patreon to begging. And that doesn't bother me anymore. But for a minute there kind of did because I felt like, yeah, I mean, it was the attack that it was meant to be. Um, but I want to, I don't know. I don't want to be ruled by my fear. And I do want to make sure to contribute to the conversation around the creator economy a little bit more because I think the more that all of us do it the more normal it gets and the more that we can be like yeah hey this is this is what we're doing and and this is our jobs and this is what we offer in value and hopefully people see that and we can have a nice exchange out of that and uh and learn and grow together so and especially because now I'm apparently a Patreon ambassador this is me announcing that apparently at least privately uh, to my patrons to start um I'm going to be expected to have a lot more of those conversations coming up. And I've been having some already anyways. I've already talked to a handful of people in the last few weeks about how and whether or not they should join Patreon and get moving there. And uh, yeah, um, I think it's pretty cool that I've been uh, asked to. If nothing else, I'm, I'm grateful to have been selected and asked to be somebody who talks with people about it because it is very important and it's near and dear to my heart and it's um, a life-changing element to the creator economy having membership platforms and members are the most important part of that for sure. So anyway, this one's been a little bit of a longer solo one. I think generally there'll be about half an hour and then the duo ones can be the hour long, but let me know what you think. 
uh, in comments on Patreon, I suppose, and uh, or on the YouTube version of this if you click all the way through to that. And I will see you again in a couple of weeks. My next guest will be Lindsay Tremuda uh, to talk a little bit about life in Paris and her book, The New Parisian, Parisienne, excuse me. Uh, really good book that I just recently finished front to back for the first time. It's really good. I'd only hopped around before, um, but read the whole thing. She's a great writer, and it's a, I thought it was a really inspiring book. The women that she highlighted are doing some really cool things here in Paris. And yeah, I will be continuing even as I go uh, to the States here soon to see my family and meet my sister's kids for the first time, which is really exciting. I will continue to be putting out Paris in my pocket. I'm working really hard to get ahead of it so that uh, Paolo, the editor, can uh, continue to make them or to edit them while I'm traveling. So those should still come out. And then some vlogs will come out and uh, then the podcast will kind of wrap for this first season and we'll start a second season when I come back. And yeah, should just keep going all the way through the summer. I mean, there's going to be one form or another of, of Jay popping into your pocket. That's weird. Uh, there's going to be, uh, no, be stuff coming from uh, my direction as we go. And yeah, I hope you're doing well. I hope you're having a wonderful time. I don't have a sign off for this yet, but uh, I'm sure we'll have like a sponsored thing in the middle or at the end at some point in this because there are a couple that are interested in doing the podcast as well as the YouTubes. So that's kind of cool too. Thanks for being here. Because if you weren't here, they wouldn't be interested. I'm just grateful you're here. Anyways, that's the whole point. I'm thankful. I'm grateful. I hope you're having a great day. You're healthy and happy. And I will see you soon.